T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is NFL Nuts Sunday with Ryan Hannibal, the ultimate football podcast. Let's get started with NFL Nuts Sunday. Now here's Ryan Hannibal. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Andy, welcome back for your second WAI podcast. How's it going? What is it called again? The Not Sunday podcast for now. For now, anyway. Uh, going terrible. I hate traffic, but... I know. Let's, let's hear it. I don't want to go all uh, Alex Reamer on you, but... Ridiculous out there. Rain, I know. There's a little bit of rain. So put your windshield wipers on and keep driving. How long did it take you? Two and a half hours. Woof. Woof. Yes. Woof indeed. But enough about that. Let's talk Patriots. <laughs> yes, enough. No one wants to hear me bitch about traffic, so let's talk Patriots. I do, but we'll say that for later. Okay. Uh, Minicamp over with. OTAs. Bill Belichick canceled them. They went paintballing yesterday. Nice. Um, Hopefully they all wore the proper eye gear. Looks like Ted Karras was part of the winning team. James White. Um, Sweet feet. Yes. What are your takeaways from watching three days of minicamp last week with Tom Brady being present? I thought that was the, that sort of changed the intensity level, better play. Yeah, there's no question when you have the uh, Hall of Fame franchise quarterback actually there to uh, put things in motion for what is essentially a passing camp, as they used to term them, uh, that it, it's better. It's better for your team, and I think there's... I don't think it's a coincidence that two years in a row Brady skips OTAs, comes to minicamp, and then Bill, after minicamp, cancels the following two OTAs the following week because you're taking a step back. It's two steps forward, one step back if Brady leaves and everything goes back to Hoyer. And we certainly saw that when Brady wasn't throwing, it didn't look all that good. Correct. And whether that was Etling, Stidham, or Hoyer, there's a lot to, to be lost when they are running the show. And I think that is not a coincidence. Uh, on the flip side of the ball, I would say your best player on defense is who? Stephon Gilmore. And Stephon Gilmore very much looked like the best player on defense. Uh, building upon a Pro Bowl season, he looks ready to go, and we talked about it in the first podcast I did with you. I think the strength of the defense goes back to front in, in that order, from secondary to linebackers defensive line. Uh, and I think that's secondary. Even without Patrick Chung uh, out there, I thought it was interesting if you want to you know, get into the minutia a little bit. This is a football podcast, so why not? Um, Obi Mellon Fanwu, or however yep. the hell you say it. Obi. Close enough. Um, getting reps next to Devin McCourty. And I thought that was interesting. I don't know if that's a legitimate plan or one of those sort of last-ditch, let's see if this guy really is uh, part of the situation. Because um, as we get into this, you know, I, we're going to be posting a roster projection on the website today. Yep. And I think the safety position is interesting because it's three locks and then not much else. Whether it's Obi or Ebner or those guys, they're unknowns defensively. They haven't really done much. Obi got a few snaps last year. Ebner wasn't even present last week. Ebner wasn't even taking part. And we I think he's in trouble, why. personally. 
um, in terms of roster spot when you balance yeah, out role that. and money. I, I sort of agree um, with you there. I think he's toast. Uh, I think with the you brought in Terrence Brooks, it seems like that's sort of like a Nate Ebner, basically yep. exactly what he does. Yep. So that was bad news for him. And then I think the money makes sense too. That the only way he sticks is if he's on a list. I think. I don't think he makes the team coming out of camp. Um, you That'd brought back Brandon Bolden, sure, but. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. It's not easy. That's why he always laments, oh, it's the toughest day of the year. These guys lay it out for you. That's all great, but it is a business. And if you're making 53-man business decisions, I'm not sure Ebner's part of it anymore. In fact, right. I'm pretty sure he's not. All right, we'll, we'll save those for a little bit later on. But another thing last week, I guess, the thing that stood out a little bit to me on the offensive side of the ball was Isaiah Wynn was out there but not really taking part, which left Joe Tooney as the left tackle, and then sort of a mishmash at left guard with Brian Schwenke and Ted Karras. Yep. What's your read on the left side of the line? I am more worried about guard than I am tackle. Uh, I think they can find a way, and people may not know or may forget that Joe Tooney was an all-ACC left tackle in his final season at NC State, um, where he played everywhere except center in the course of his career there. So I think he looks the part. I'm not saying he'd be great. I'm not saying it's going to be the the Nate Solder or even Trent Brown perfect so are fit. You, are you worried about Isaiah Wynn starting week one? I know it's, oh, yeah. I know it's June. But. I've sort of, um, I'm now of the mind that he's not going to. Okay. Um, I think that's why they signed Jared Valdir. But he makes the roster. Maybe. Oh, he's who? Isaiah Wynn, he starts the year on the roster, not PUP or anything I, I like think that. you hope that he makes starts the year. You know, talking about Achilles injuries with what happened to Durant last night. I mean, they're still one of the handful of real major injuries. They're, to me, they're not as cut and dry as ACLs have become. ACLs, I feel like, have really become, they know how to fix it, they know how to yeah. rehab it, they know a general time frame. I think Achilles are still a little more, there's a little more variable in there. And beyond the Achilles, he has to prove he can play. Yep. At six foot two, with all the questions coming out about short arms and is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Now, if he's healthy, I feel better because I think he plays one of those two spots at okay. a starting level. Okay. And I don't know if Ted Karras is an NFL starter. I don't know if Brian Schwenke is an NFL starter. I don't know if they have a true NFL starter to go to that guard spot. So right now, to me, they have four guys for five spots, and then it's up to win at all to kind of make the rest fall into place. And I think around here we all fall victim to Scarnecki just, yeah, Scar will fix it. It'll be fine. Scar's out there. They'll figure it out. But you have a 42-year-old quarterback or soon-to-be 42-year-old quarterback, and you've swapped out left tackles now two years in a row. It went really, really well last year when you moved yep. a right tackle trade addition to left tackle. Boom, he made himself $60 million. Say, he had a little bit on the line, and if he had played well, he's already knew it was coming. Well, Joe Tooney's got plenty on the line. He's going to be a free agent. You know, I joked with him that putting left tackle reps on tape could really be beneficial to him. Now, the flip side is if it goes poorly, there's going to be a lot of blame placed in his area mm -hmm. um, because it won't be on Scar because everybody will say, oh, you know, Scar's done it before with everybody. This is just a guy who can't do it, whatever. You know, Isaiah Wynn, I think there's pressure. And we know all the questions about tight end and wide receiver. If you add offensive line to those questions, now you're really talking about yep. how good is the offense going to be? Are they going to be able to score their usual 30 points and be a high-scoring unit? Receiver not as good, tight end not as good, now suddenly offensive line, Brady's under pressure. Do you have to turn to the running game more often and say, okay, we can't pass protect, we got to be a power running team, which we saw slivers of last year, and certainly they ran the ball in the postseason, but another guy not out there uh, to start the, uh, the mini-camp action was Sony Michelle, And mm -hmm. everybody took the positive being Damian Harris looked good. 
Well, he looks as good as you can look in shorts and t-shirts. Let's, Every, everybody looked good. Let's see what happens when you actually, you know, put pads on and have to hit the hole and get hit. Um, so no Sony Michelle. Everything has question marks right now to me offensively except Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady looked really good. Of course. He looked, right. He looked much better than Brian Hoyer well, it's and not those of course. guys. The, Some yeah. people think there's a cliff coming. No, I mean. Some people think well, podcasts should be named after cliffs. Yes. Um, speaking of offense, wide receivers, what stood out to you there? We saw, I guess, particularly Nikhil Harry. We yep. saw Brady working a lot with them sort of off to the side during special teams work. Troy Brown was working with the one-on-one. Even Joshua Daniels would stop at some points and talk to him. What was your read on Harry? Because he was sort of the star of the first OTA, but that was just because he caught a lot of passes. What did you think last week? I thought there was more bad than good Agreed. if I had to term it. If I had to do you know, a 60-40 split or something, I'd say 60 bad, 40 good. Yep. Um, I think his hands are questionable. Too many, ha- too many balls bounced off his hands. Now, whether that is mental, because he's thinking, doesn't know where he's supposed to be, isn't where he's supposed to be, slants were behind him deflecting all of that stuff, okay, that's, that could be true. And mm-hmm. maybe once his head catches up with everything, the hands will be fine because he is supposed to be Mr. Contested Ball Strong Hands. Um but I was concerned about his hands. Certainly the route running is a question mark. You know, he was getting fine-tuning from Dion Branch, Josh McDaniels, all of them. I wrote about it, and I thought it was really interesting. One drill where he was just running outs and little short cuts against Josh McDaniels, you know, sort of giving him a look corner, and there was a throw where he had to lunge way to the sideline on an out. Josh McDaniels talked to him, then kind of gestured to Brady like, that's out of reach, that's too far, and Brady turned and threw his hands up, and that's what you're going through there. This isn't just, you know, he has to fit in. He needs to fit in quickly to be part of the offense because we, we, it's Edelman and then him. Like, yep. theoretically, he's a lock to make the roster because he's a first-round pick. Right. So as a lock to make the roster, theoretically, he's next in line to have a big role in the offense. Right now, it's a major work in progress. And, you know, Brady talked about it in, uh, what was that, 13, the Tompkins-Dobson year. Yep. That – he couldn't treat it the same. He had to have maybe a little bit longer leash, be a little bit more accepting of mix mistakes and problems. He's going to have to do the same thing again, certainly with Harry and with others. He you know, sort I thought, of alluded to it too, though, when, yes. he's, when he's talked after Thursday. It's unfair. It's unfair that you know, these rookies come in with such high expectations. And to me, that was sort of saying, let's pump the brakes here with Nikhil Harry. Like All right, well then, Tom, don't throw your hands up when Josh tells you don't throw it so wide. <laughs> it does go bo- It goes both ways for sure. Yeah, so it's on him to get him acclimated, but then it's on Harry to, A, know what he's doing, catch the ball when he's supposed to. There were a lot of times where his college tape of not a lot of separation mm-hmm. was shown on the, the field, and that's one area where I do think it's relative – relatively competitive, relatively replicates actual game is the corners are covering the receivers. Right. It's very similar because you're not allowed to touch anybody really in NFL rules anyway. So um, the lack of separation there, we'll see. But um, it's a definite work in progress with Harry, and he has a long way to go. Some other veterans, Dontrell Inman, Maurice Harris. I guess Mo Harris, I liked him. You can lump Braxton Berrios in there. I liked Maurice Harris. I think he did – probably the most for himself last week connecting with Brady with all that other guys in, the, in that same mix yeah those three guys I would definitely rank Harris Berrios Inman Inman was like non-existent for yeah. the bulk of it I don't think he caught a pass single pass in 11 on 11 I don't think he did and I don't he's an NFL receiver I mean he's experienced um, productive that sort of surprised me because I coming in would have put him 
projected as the top of that three-man group, yes. whereas now I think he has the furthest to go. And I think Harris looked really good, strong hands, contested catches, caught pretty much everything thrown his way. Um, and as we talk about this process, that's how you build uh, that relationship with Brady, that trust that you need to build sort of quickly. And if you remember, there was a very positive vibe when he signed about oh, yeah. production, pro football focus crap based on ra- all that crap that I don't really care about. But he looks good catching the ball, and that's a good first step. And then Berrios, I thought, was was good, not great. Um, had a couple big plays, big catches, had that long ball down the sideline in one of the practices yep. that he then got up and spiked after yep. the diving catch, which I still wonder how his um, – the way reputation? he carries himself – no, the way he actually – beyond his reputation, the way he carries himself, I would like to know what Bill and the coaches really think about that. Um, well, to me, I think it's an indication where he caught a touchdown pass probably five plays later and just handed the ball correct. off to the coaches. Correct, and I wonder if something was said, but he clearly has whatever you want to call swagger or – you know, little man syndrome or a Napoleon complex, whatever it is, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Um, but he also has an opportunity to make this football team, I think. Defense, I know it's sort of hard to grade defense during this because there's no real contact. In this 87. And that. I thought but there was a solid B-plus for the defense during the whole whole camp. They, all right, sure. Why, I thought why, they were ahead of the why, offense. Why did they get an 87? I, I agree. I thought, I thought the coverage was good. Yep. Um, I thought the linebackers looked athletic. Um, Which is something we haven't seen. They got their hands on balls. Now, some of them were Stidham passes, and and so take it for what it is. I thought he went 5 for 8 passing. Oh, I'm sure he did. Just ask everybody who keeps those stupid stats. Um, But I thought he he looked – the defense, like Jamie Collins had an interception. Um, There was a deflected pass interception for the linebackers. So uh, Hightower, I think, got his hand on a ball. So they were were active in the passing lanes. And, again – that's what this is. It's a passing camp. Right. So forget the run plays and big holes and all that. Um, I thought they looked good, and I, I'm intrigued by that group. Um, we saw Mayo calling the defensive plays. Yes. We saw Jawan Bentley calling those into the huddle. You know, with Jamie Collins sort of helping out. But I think when you have Bentley, Hightower, Collins, and Van Oy, that's four pretty solid players. Good athletic, some versatility. Yep rotation you know I've always talked about I think the Patriots defense over the years especially at linebacker has been at its best when it's had extra bodies rotational guys guys that can play certain roles right and back in the day it was you know three four outside linebacker there were three guys for the two spots so there was always somebody in and out matchups health you know staying fresh same thing on the inside three guys for two spots and if they have that again I think it will take a little bit pressure out of off of all of them you know they'll all have to do less and be more suited to their roles. So I think that's a, a sneaky good group, the linebackers, especially if Hightower is healthy. Because I thought he managed himself through the regular season last year a little bit. You brought it up just there. We disagreed a little bit on the last podcast about the coaching staff. Any, right. T- any takeaways from the coaches? I'm right again. Why? Because I think Gerard Mayo took a first step co- toward calling defensive plays. Now I'm not saying he's definitely going to be the play caller. Right. Because I think. It makes perfectly obvious, simple sense that the linebackers coach would have the script in front of him and actually call the plays into a linebacker. Right. Um, but I also think there's a good chance. He, he was very active and Agreed. engaged. And I think there is a good chance that what I've been saying all along is right. that he's going to be the defensive coordinator. He's going to be the defensive play caller. He essentially did it for years in those meetings, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when you're part of that process, and it's not going to change much for him. Um, the rest of the coaching staff, we'll see. You know, I think it's easy to say, oh, it's spring camp, it's scripted, we all know what we're doing. 
What happens when it hits the fan in week four and the secondary's getting their ass kicked and the secondary's not getting any help from the pass rush and stuff's flying around? Oh, and maybe Bill's paying a little more attention to something else. And he's, I think there's a lot to be worked out there on the defensive side of the ball that you're not going to see in a simple OTA setting or minicamp setting. I wrote about it Tuesday on the website. Nick Casario up for the Texans job. They want to talk to him again. I think you can't, you know, you obviously don't want to lose him any year, but I think this year maybe bigger than any other year you can't lose him just because of the fact that bill has so many more responsibilities like he's going to be more involved active on the defense because they don't have a defensive coordinator yep. he's probably gonna have to do more you know just special teams wide receiver that stuff he's probably gonna have his hand more and they're seeing what's going on so if you lost nick bill's sort of in charge of having more of a role in the defense still being the head coach, then he's handling all the personnel moves. I think that's just way too much on a guy that's 67-year-old's plate. Ah, he looks young. Good looks bouncing great. his step out there, I thought. But I, I don't know. How do you feel? Do you think they could afford to lose Nick Casario? Um, yeah, I think they can afford to lose anybody not named Belichick and Brady. Um, but it wouldn't be ideal. I mean, we've Especially joked about at this it. Point. Your yeah. wide receivers coach from the past could be helping out with the wide receivers. He throws. He... Bill has just been over the top how there's nobody like Nick Casario in the National Football League. Absolutely. It would be a huge loss on a lot of levels. He is Josh McDaniel's go-to guy in the box on game day. I mean, there's so many layers to what he does. He's on the field during practice week. No question. Game week, sorry. There is no question that it would be a massive loss. But would it be derailing? And the other thing you're not going to know is which part of it would be derailing. If Nick leaves and then they go out and go 8-8, and They might have been going to go 8-8 eight and eight with Nick. Right. With all the turnover on the roster, Gronk is gone, lack of receivers, offensive line, and then all the turnovers on the defensive coaching staff. You don't know which of the straws is the one that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. I think it would be a big, big loss that you would feel year-round. Because he's not right. just a GM that you feel in free agency and the draft. Right. He's a year-round contributor to this football team. I will not, I will not gloss over that. But if he were to go, guys will step up. Monty Austin Ford will step up. Brian Smith will step up. Ziggler will step up. The, but as the guys we know, they have. They probably can't do what Casero does. Well, they can't throw now. like him. We're pretty no sure about that. He's got a pretty good arm. So when they Perfect go and work form. out quarterbacks or receivers and different things, it's going to be different. Um, but that's what you find out over the years. Like Matt Patricia, you know, he steps up in, in the promotional process, right? And becomes a head coach in his own right. Brian Flores steps up. He goes from scouting to coaching. That's what they do in New England. And. That was where we sort of argued is do you have faith in that or do you not? Right. You know, if you promote uh, DeMarcus Covington to linebackers coach, you feel good that this is what we do around here, this is what Bill does, and more often than not it works. Now, I brought up the counterpoint, it doesn't always work. Right. The same thing would hold true in the front office and the, you know, the decision-making process there, but there is zero question you can't replace Nick Casario in the versatility what he brings to your football team on a year-round basis. It's just not possible. He's a very unique guy. That said, I don't think he would take it personally. That's all right. I was just going to follow. What's your gut say? My there? gut tells me he stays. I think he's very happy in the I, role. I sort of agree with you. I think he doesn't mind sort of not having that GM title. Oh, I don't think he minds at all. I think he's very, very well compensated financially. Right. Ever since the Miami they thing, when he went, they he's taken care of. I also think he'd be concerned that he'd get somewhere and you know walk out to practice to start throwing, and people would be like, "No, no, no, like you, you don't Bryant's do that like, here." What are you doing? Or go, the go, owner, go Bob McNair, or somebody says, "No, no, no, no. Well, like, we're not, we're not doing that here," or something. Like I think he very much likes everything he's allowed to do, the leeway, the respect he's unique. given, right? And I don't know. 
you know, his his wife comes from the Patriots organization. They're sort of entrenched here. His buddy Josh is here. Well, he has Whether, his buddy Bill and Jack Easterby. But his buddy Josh goes back a lot further than his buddy Bill and Jack Easterby. Correct. Those are much longer relationships that those guys have dating all the way back to college, receiver, quarterback, that whole thing. There's more um, guys. Dave Ziegler has been around. Was, right. Goes back there. So I don't – I just don't see him doing it. Now, maybe he'll surprise me. and Maybe this is the time he wants to go out and branch out on his own. I also don't know if that's the right situation. I was just thinking that too. The guy, Brian Game was fired after one year. Right. And O'Brien pick, hand picked him. Right. And Billy O'Brien, he's your buddy. That's right. He's also a very volatile guy. I think he's shown that over his coaching career. Um, so I don't know if that would be the ideal, perfect situation to jump from what looks like the perfect situation for Nick Casario. Uh, Jack Easterby, like, has, so do we think he had a role in the, the, the decision making with the Patriots? No, I do not. I never bought that. I will never buy that. Um, I, he apparently has ascended very quickly right. to a right hand man role for Billy O'Brien and a voice who strange. It's very strange, and, and I don't know. You know that was I believe Ben Volan who yeah, reported right after he left that Easterby had a say in like personnel decisions. Yeah. I don't buy it. I, I don't I don't believe that to be true. And I really until don't I until somebody specifically tells me that, I will not buy it. Um, now, will he have a role in what's going on in Houston? Certainly sounds like it. And I don't know enough about that organization and those people down yeah. there. Um, the people I trust, the people that are reporting out of there, that that may be true. Um, that's really interesting. And his that's he's an interesting guy on a lot of levels. But if he's making Houston pretty quickly. What's your t- let's get into your, what are you ro- doing over there? your roster for play- a little behind the scenes? Why are you touching keyboards and stuff while we're talking here? I'm making sure it recorded. I'm not saying this again if it didn't. <laughs> it's recorded. Angry Andy just got out of a lot of traffic. He's not saying this again. We're good. Um, sneak peek of your roster projection. You can read it on the website, but I guess my sneak peek you did not have Jonathan Jones on your roster. Nope. Why? Uh, I think he is going to be the odd man out in the back end. The, the wild card there, to me, it comes down to Duke. Uh, Dawson and Jonathan Jones. Never before you, you, has a second-round pick been let go in year two. You also had Keon Cross. Hasn't off. happened. Did I have him on or off? Off. Okay, yeah, off. So you so you have Keon Cross and off. Yeah. And Jonathan Jones off in Correct. favor of Duke Dawson. Duke Dawson, I actually thought he looked decent in OTAs, the little bits I watched of him. and Because I came in, I had no opinion of him. I thought he was just there last uh, summer and then missed the whole year, came back, and couldn't find his way into the rotation when he came back from IR. But I do think the fact that they brought him back from IR says something about what they think of him, how they feel about him. And again, he's a second-round pick. They're not going to cut him. They've never done that before. That would be a huge ego now, thing for Bill. he could go on IR and then cut him next summer, and right. then it's so it doesn't look as bad. different, yeah. like you know, go down the... Uh, What's his name? The guy who couldn't catch punts. Cyrus Jones. Cyrus Jones route. See, you're getting better already. You're filling in the names. Well done, Ryan. That was an easy one. Um, it was an easy one. I should have known that. Traffic anger has clouded my mind. But beyond that, I think you have, obviously, Gilmore, a lock. Jason McCourty, yep. a lock. Uh, J.C. Jackson, a lock. Yep. And it, Jawan Williams is a lock. Has to be. Second I mean, round pick. unless he gets hurt. Yeah. That's the thing with these early projections is you just don't know the injuries or quote-unquote injuries that could come up um but i think jonathan jones not a guaranteed tender as a restricted free agent wouldn't surprise me if he was a trade one of those oh you know getting later in training camp and we swap something for something cornerback you trade him for maybe a receiver there's definitely extra guys at that position you can play with conditional pick maybe you get for him depending on whether he makes a team whether he stays and plays all of that 
Um, it's a competitive position, and it wouldn't stun me if Jonathan Jones is on the roster. Right. Because I think they like him. I think they think he's pretty good. Right. Now, his money is starting to maybe outgrow his role, yep. um, and he doesn't have the benefit of being a second-round pick, which Duke Dawson and Juwan Williams both have that attached to them. And I also think those two, in theory, are a nice combo as matchups. You know, Duke Dawson has a more traditional mm-hmm. slot corner, and then you have Juwan Williams as a matchup, big guy, physical, press, line of scrimmage guy that you can pick your spots with those two guys and back up a lot of different roles. Um, but that's an interesting position. We'll see. What was your hardest position to fill out? Quite frankly, none of them. They were actually pretty damn easy um, because some of them are just unknowns. True. And I kind of went with the knowns at – the offensive line spot, right. rather than unknowns that I'm not really comfortable it's very with. Very early projection. Cedric Lang or some guy yeah. could suddenly be a tackle on this roster. I don't know anything about him. I've never seen him put pads on. He's a big guy. Right. He's, he looks the part. If looks matter, if looking the part matters, then he's got a chance. But So I kind of went with the known commodities. I mean, it's it's a good sign for a guy. I thought Ted Karras this year could be in a, a fight for a roster spot. Oh, for sure. I think it's a good sign that he's taking reps with that first group in minicamp action. I think that's a good first sign for him moving forward. And his versatility and their trust and everything, obviously, yep. that that helps. Um, a couple other guys, you know, Christian Sam is a guy that wouldn't stun me if he made the team. I don't have him on the roster right now um, because of that position. I would say Alandon Roberts wouldn't stun me if he was a surprise cut. As a guy who's played a lot for them, started yep. a lot. But if they're healthy at linebacker, they're deeper now at linebacker. And... He could be a guy that's an odd man out. Um, the wide receiver position at the bottom yeah, of it, yeah. who knows? If you tell me that uh, Harris is out and Inman is in, That position no could idea. be decided like August 30th. I don't believe that position will be decided in August. That's yeah, one of my little one of theories. From last year I think they, you could have a couple weeks of out. rotation yeah. and guys coming in. And, you know, at final cuts, they cut down to 50 and then sign this guy from there right. that pick this guy up off waivers and oh a week later that guy stinks too so we're cutting him bring somebody else in um, I think that could certainly be a, a possibility there defensive line I think is an interesting position when you get to the the back end of it because Derek Rivers I know I made my bold prediction yeah, eight that sacks. eight six six to eight six to eight I'm just going let's high. not just go high side there for my benefit please six <laughs> to eight. Um, well, it wouldn't stun me if he's just cut either as a third-round pick who's yeah. done nothing, couldn't really find a spot for himself even rotationally last year, and they've added at that position with a guy like Chase uh, Winovich. To me, I could see them going low on the defensive line slash defensive end, but high at linebacker because you're so versatile at that position. Sure. And, and you have more of it. Sure. You can pop Dante Hightower on the end of the right. line, use him as you needed. Van Noy um, as well. Van Noy, yeah. They, and Winovich is, right. is a quasi-end linebacker type. Even Simon. I mean, they have a bunch of right. those guys. Um, so, yeah, the, the way those play out. Uh, another area that is probably interesting, I only kept two tight ends. Um, yeah, that was my next one. I don't think they're very good, so but, I keep a bunch so, of crap. But they have technically three because Ben Watson is on. We'll be there in four weeks. Right. And that, yeah, he'll, I would have him but on he's the not week five roster. On that roster. But he doesn't cost a roster spot early, and that's one of the – they're not that good. And if I need blockers, well, I got Cole Croston or whoever, Ted Karras, some right. extra tackle. James Devlin can line up out there as a wing if you need him to fill James that Devlin role. James Devlin can do everything in your mind. Well, he is a Pro Bowl fullback, and – I believe Bill Belichick said something about wanting to have a team full of James Devlins, and you do very well. Might not score a lot of points, but you do very well. You'd be tough. Um, 
But yeah, tight end, I, uh, he's not just going to keep bodies. So I, I went with Lacoste, who I thought looked pretty good he in minicamp. He did solid. He did a good job. I thought himself. he caught the ball well. I thought his hands looked good. I thought he was relatively athletic, adjusting to balls in the air. And Ryan Izzo, just because... He's been around and can block. He's the best of the rest, I guess. And Now, I know some people hold out hope or think maybe Austin Safarian Jenkins could be re-signed. No. I am not of that belief. Neither am I. Um, but if that comes back, maybe he has a chance. I... I don't think so. Do you I think see them going sailed. out and adding a tight end between now and training? Well, games? it won't be Kyle Rudolph, I can tell you that much, after break. his new supposed uh, four-year, $36 million yeah. extension in which he now says he's basically a Minnesota guy for life and whatever he said in his stupid Facebook post or tweet. 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 Um, yeah, I think there's still – I'm keeping two tight ends. I think they would like to have three tight ends. Heck, the second tight end I kept, Izzo. Not that good. Right. No idea. I just say he's so do I think, yes, Jonathan Jones for a tight end trade or claim a tight end at right. cuts? Sure. I think there's a very good possibility. Wide receiver, offensive line, tight end, I would say are the three positions that could change in August or early September as they see who's available or you know one of those, well, we get an extra this, you get an extra that trade right before cuts kind of deal. Trash for treasure, who knows. Uh, I got a little bit on the quarterbacks. Danny Etling didn't really make that big jump that I had hoped he would have made. I've never understood the blind. You know, they say have like GMs and scouts have blind spots. Yeah. Your blind spot for Danny Etling, the guy wasn't good from day one. He stinks. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't oh, good at day he one. He was ba- way better than him. I, I it, This was a blind spot. Just fall on the sword, say you screwed up, and move on. He's a nice kid. He works Oh, now, hard. now being nice matters? Because there's a lot hard. of nice guys. He's if nice first. mattered, then Ted Karras is a starting NFL offensive lineman 16 games a year. I just looked at him, the way that he works, the way that he progressed. I saw he he, imp- he works hard. He improved from day one last year to the end of the summer, correct? Well, he couldn't have gotten worse. But he improved. And my thing was that we did, not, we did not see him from the end of training camp through the Super Bowl. Right, and he didn't improve in that but Stand I didn't know that. Right. I was giving him the. I don't know why you uh, decided to fight on that mountain or whatever they call it. You just you died on that hill. Um, I I made a bet with someone in the the back room of Gillette Stadium last year that Danny Etling will start one NFL game, a regular season game. One. You lost. What do you have to pay? I think it's a lunch. You owe somebody a lunch then. He'll never start an NFL no, game. No chance. Never. You don't think he gets picked up by another team and becomes a backup and gets to He'll get another shot. That's what I'm saying. Hey, by the way, we should clarify, he's still on the roster in New England as of right now. <laughs> We're being a little bit premature, but I think the general consensus is he may not make it to camp that they will have I don't have think it arms. makes sense to because- Well, if Nick takes the job in Houston, you might need that extra arm, right? I guess. Because I- uh, Danny Yetling in- Chunks of minicamp was a glorified ball boy. He got sent off to throw when a ball boy probably could have done the same role. Um, Because he's taking away time from Jared Stidham, who needs the development. Correct. I'm sorry, but you blew it. I blew it? I didn't do anything. You blew it! All right. You thought Etling was good. You thought he was going to start in the NFL. He still can't. Because, quote, he's a nice guy. He works hard. Oh, great. I saw him get better. You work hard. Are you going to play in the NFL? No. I saw him get better. I just gave Did him, you? I just gave him the benefit of the doubt. I think you saw things that no one else he saw. He had that 67-yard touchdown run against the Giants. Great. You know what Bill that's called? Nice things to say. Fool's after. gold. Because when a quarterback tucks and runs in the preseason, it's actually a bad thing. It was a great bootleg. Bad thing. All right. I guess I'm, this might it's be It's because he can't go through reads, can't make throws. Now, you're going to have the same issue with Stidham this summer. Mark it down. I'm Stidham will have some long runs. I'm not, I'm no, no, not I mean on. in general. 
Because oh, okay. he's already looking like the guy who having trouble going through his reads. Yes. So what am I going to do? I have some athleticism. I'm fast. Tuck it and run. I'm not right. standing here and taking a hit. I'm not throwing right. a pick. Right. So you're going to see that with Stidham too. But um, the question there is, and I referenced this in, in the, the roster projection on our website, is do they keep three? They like, have to. They don't have to. There's no rule. I mean, you could but, argue. So, but then so you're saying that Stidham makes a team over Hoyer? Stidham's on the team. Right, because the team would claim Stidham, no question. Right. Yeah. So the question is, do you have to keep Hoyer? On okay. two levels. A, do you need him? Because he didn't look great. He's never looked great. And B, would he just you know live in Foxborough and if you need him, call him? Or would there be a chance you'd lose him in some way? I, I doubt it. I can't see him being too popular. He's been around a long he time. He would also have the choice, too. So he could, right. He could say, I, so I don't like where It I'm wouldn't at. surprise me if he's one of those guys that they cut, and then when we're in there the Monday after cuts... There it still says Hoyer on top of a locker, so he could return at any moment. Right. Um, although it's digital now, so maybe they'll delete those yeah, easier, more true. easier. It's they won't leave the actual sign up. But that would be the only question. If I had to say right now, they need to keep three. I right. kept three. I think they need to keep three. Um, I would not feel good turning it over to Stidham. But no. as I said, maybe you just call Hoyer down the street and said, Brian, Brady tweaked something. Although Brady never tweaked something. So what do you even need two backups for? Keep none. None. If Brady goes down, you lose anyway. Bring back Etling. No. That's a guaranteed way to lose. <laughs> Probably is. Um, what are you looking for, I guess, in this next, you know, th- so basically the, the Patriots are off till training camp. Correct. Do they? Bill will be in Nantucket. Tom will be in Costa Rica. Brookline, California, yeah, Wherever Montana. he goes. Yeah, he really does have a pretty good. Uh, nice life. A nice lifestyle there. Do you see them making any moves between now and then? And if so, at what positions? No, I don't see Nothing? any moves between now and then. No, um, that would. I mean, maybe a minor move where they cut. You don't see like a. I don't know. There's not that many big names out there, but maybe a, a decent wide receiver, a decent no. tight end. No, um, I, I guess I won't eliminate that tackle, wide tackle. receiver, um, tight end. I guess there's a few names, but why now? Like, what's changed, or is it just they're available? On the other you, know, end? you know, you need no, but upgrade. nothing's changed. They've been available. You've had the need, so nothing's changed there. Well, now maybe you get the veteran who yeah. says, "Okay, now I really do want. I want to have a job once July 29th right. comes around. Okay, I'll take that minimum offer with no signing bonus and no security. While I was hoping for more, is there a chance of that? Maybe there's also always the chance that Gunner or one of those types is gone and some new guy swap it in. out for another Bemidji State guy or. Uh, but no, I don't think there'll be major changes or or even changes maybe at all between now and when they open camp. Then when you start camp, maybe you have a little bit after that. It feels like there's what two moves a week in camp, something like that. Two or three maybe ins and outs more. a week. Yeah. Um, as guys get nicked and you need an extra body at this position or whatever happens, there'll be joint practices. I think those are we didn't see those last year. What do you, do you like those? Love you, joint practices. Yep. Now, it's going to be interesting because you have two weeks of away road joint practices that really sort of alter the feel of training camp for fans at Gillette coming down there, that experience. I know there's been some rumbles of adding extra practices on the back end so that there's a little more time for home fans to open to the public to get in and and actually see. Bill can be okay with that? Uh, if, if he, he has a boss, too, just like the rest of us. So if his boss says he's okay with it, he's okay with it. If he's not, then he can leave, too, like we all can. Um, but I think I like the joint practices. It always certainly helps Bill. How often have we seen guys come in that he saw in joint practices with other teams and seem to that, like scouting that, report? The fifth wide receiver on this team could be with the Houston, Could be a Lion could be with or the, a, the a Titan, Titans right no now. question. Um, now, it's 
the flip side is work too. He's lost players that he wanted to keep yep. because of joint practices. Uh, Gruger Hill, the uh, Pro Bowl special teamer, and then yep. now starting linebacker was certainly one of those guys. But I don't think they'll happen again because I think uh, Mike Vrabel and Matt Patricia will adhere to the unwritten rules that I think Bill likes to uh, put forth for these joint practices about not poaching each other's players. Um, but no, I think it's it's huge. I think it's so more so much beneficial to to both teams. And uh, I think for for our purposes, it's just so much better to write about and take notes on. And you know that these will be better run than, say, the ones they had with the Bears a couple of years ago where there was a fist fight after every right. play. Yeah, I don't think Vrabel, that'll be an Patricia issue. Are, you know, I mean, I don't eliminate it. No, but... I mean... But it's not... I mean, Mike Vrabel did say after throwing back to his quarter, we just sure. wanted to show we could show him how it was run or whatever he said. So, right. there, I mean, there's still an edge there, and but I don't not, put it past him. But it's uh, not Patricia like, will do nothing. Patricia will do whatever Bill tells him to do. <laughs> But it's not like the Bears, you remember, there was literally a fight after every single play right. and they got nothing done. Correct. Yeah, these will be productive for the most part, and I think they will be run on a, um, a good workmanlike manner, and certainly Detroit. I, Are you of the, of the mind, too, where these take away from the preseason games, whereas yes. there's maybe not as much intrigue in the games because most of the work's done beforehand? Yeah, I mean, we've seen that. Right. Where Brady, half, guys don't even unit, play. Yeah. You know, the classic example was Washington a couple of years ago in Richmond where they had that hellacious like three-hour practice where guys were I mean Edelman and guys were basically passing out on the field they were working so much and then nobody played right but take away quote-unquote from preseason games and you see so you didn't get two series of nothing you right. didn't get six play whatever I, I don't it's not a huge deal and I think the benefit to the team and even the benefit to the fans I think it's kind of cool to watch those joint practices Agreed. um outweighs any loss of a series or two in a preseason game right and, and then i think that benefits you on the back end find out earlier if stidham can get out there under the bright lights earlier in a preseason yeah. game Agreed. and see what happens does he crap himself or does he step up and, and look better so we're right now beginning mid of mid-june we don't know when we'll really be podcasting and maybe we'll do one you know in this when week. will we do it what will it be called true a little bit up in the air where will we tape it? Yes. What will the traffic be like for me trying to get there? When Didn't I hear the opportunity to do these remotely? Yes. Okay, I like that. I like Rodney Harrison and his co-host. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're not in the you know, opposite cities. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you at some point between now and training camp. I'm like Bill and Tom. I'll be on the beach if you need me. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Andy. We'll see you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 